Hi everyone, I'm Shirina Sani and I'm the manager for public relations and events at Wildlife SOS. Today I'm here with the co-founder and CEO of Wildlife SOS, Mr. Karthik Satyanarayan. And today we will be talking about the challenges of rescuing an elephant. So I'll start with one of the most frequently asked questions. How do you decide which elephants needs to be rescued, considering that there is such a high population of captive elephants in India? Shirina, that's a great question. India does have a high population of captive elephants and a lot of them are in distress. But to find these elephants that need urgent help is not easy. So what, what does Wildlife SOS do to identify these elephants? We use our team of informants and trackers who work in the field around the clock to gather us alerts and intelligence on elephants that require urgent attention. In fact, you know, Wildlife SOS gets a lot of alerts about elephants in distress in other countries across the world. But for the moment, we are only rescuing elephants in India. That's a big enough challenge by itself without having to engage other governments. We prioritize our rescues according to which elephants require most urgent attention. And that could mean that they are blind, they're begging on the streets, uh, you know, they're on the verge of breaking down or dying of exhaustion or starvation. We're also very particularly careful in assisting geriatric elephants who've lived their entire life in neglect and pain. And our aim is to provide them care in this final but very important phase of their lives. You know, these elephants have been overworked and exhausted to the point of where they are almost ready to drop dead but they do deserve some rest finally and retirement from all of what they've been through for the last several decades of their life. For these ailing elephants unable to deal with the stress of transportation, we have to be there to provide medical assistance to stabilize their body condition, give them the confidence, the strength, as well as you know, make sure that they have the physical fitness to make the final journey to the elephant hospital. And um, that is how we take a decision on which elephant needs rescuing. And in some situations, we even are approached by the forest departments and the enforcement authorities where they contact us and tell us that there is this one elephant that needs urgent assistance. You know, she's on the verge of death. We need your vets to get out there. And so very often we are responding to a call from the forest department or the police um, or from information uh, that we've been, um, you know, sent by informers, well-wishers, supporters, donors. And then we verify the information before we launch an operation. Right. Absolutely. Uh, you had mentioned transportation um, in the elephant rescue. So how is the elephant ambulance prepared for the rescue? What are the essentials that are packed and how about uh, site preparation for when the elephants reach the center? The elephant ambulance is probably our most valuable asset at this time because it makes it possible for Wildlife SOS to really get in there into these situations, travel whatever distance it takes and rescue these elephants and bring them back to the hospital so we can give them medical support. But it's a very expensive process and it costs us 
a ton of money. I mean, sometimes the expenses of rescuing an elephant, bringing it back, and making sure that the elephant is cared for, you know, can cost uh, close to or over $100,000 sometimes. Let's talk about the preparation that our team has to do before we can actually send the elephant ambulance on an elephant rescue. So we need to prepare uh, the medical hoist, make sure that we can keep the elephant stable during the entire journey. The ramp needs to be checked. There's a bunch of checklists that our team actually goes through one by one. It can sometimes take us up to a day to keep, to check the elephant ambulance and make sure it is roadworthy. And of course, that means that our team has to constantly be working on maintenance, making sure the ambulance is ready to leave with a night's notice. When the ambulance is actually going to bring back an elephant, it's got to be completely packed with, you know, fresh green fodder, fruits, water, rehydration salts, and all the medicines that are required including tranquilizer uh, equipment and tranquilizing or sedation drugs that a vet will require while bringing the elephant back to the elephant hospital campus. Our ambulance is also equipped to carry its own tank of water so we can not just provide an elephant water to drink, but it even has inbuilt showers within the elephant cabin area to keep the elephant cooled down and hydrated during the journey in case it gets too hot. The veterinarians who actually travel with the elephant or in the ambulance to bring back the elephant will also carry a lot of medical equipment, you know, including a portable laser therapy machine, portable radiology or x-ray machines for immediate and preliminary medical assessment, which will enable them to decide if the elephant is fit to be loaded on the ambulance. That's just a couple of pieces of equipment, but there's a lot that actually goes into the ambulance. In fact, um, the cabin allows for our team to access the elephant if they need to give it any injections or treatment or anything like that. And in winter, India can get very, very cold. I mean, it can go down to zero or one degree Celsius, which means our team will need to carry blankets and jackets for an elephant if the temperature dips to that level. And when we are on the side, uh, you know, before the elephant comes back, we need to ensure that there is an enclosure available and ready, which is prepared to house the elephant, including mud beds for the comfort of the elephant, a water pool, and an internal barn or a shed where the elephant can be housed when it's brought back by the ambulance. And usually the ambulance has a crew of up to eight people, usually a driver, a backup driver, two veterinarians, two elephant keepers, and one documentation officer. And in some cases, we have an extra person who goes as a backup In most cases, when we send an ambulance, we also have an escort vehicle. Mm -hmm. And I think we can discuss that um, in the next question. But we have sometimes 
situations where our team has to deal with hostiles. And in, in those situations, then the backup vehicle or the escort vehicle enables us to you know, have additional support for protecting the ambulance and the elephant that's riding in the ambulance. Wow, that's very thorough, uh, incredible. Uh, you mentioned a hostile situation. So can you talk about um, any such situations that's happened and how does the team manage uh, in this situation? Uh, also, what role do the law enforcement authorities play? Yes, hostile situations is something that's not new to us at all. Because we have to work with the enforcement authorities and uh, the, like the Forest Department, the Wildlife Crime Control Bureau and the police, very often when we are assisting them in rescuing an elephant out of a situation, there can be a hostile mob um, or uh, antisocial elements that are on the site and they very often try to prevent the elephant from being removed, especially if there is illegality involved or if it's a if it's an elephant trafficking right. case uh, or the local community doesn't want us to move that elephant. But the law enforcement authorities are usually there even before we are there to ensure that the law and order situation is maintained. But I can tell you that there have been many incidents where, you know, they've almost tried to burn our ambulance. They've, they've been incidents of stone pelting. They've been very, they, they've been groups who've been chasing our ambulance to try and stop us uh, and, uh, and, you know, uh, intercept our team for which we very often have to take the support of the police, the forest department and enforcement authorities. And it can get very, very difficult sometimes to manage. But thankfully, we are working closely and shoulder to shoulder with the enforcement authorities in such situations. And we're very grateful to the forest department and the police uh, for their assistance. Uh, I, I recall this incident when we were trying to rescue Chanchal and this was in uh, Uttar Pradesh in the greater Noida, Noida area. And it was 3 a.m. in the morning. We already had all the documentation from the chief wildlife warden of Uttar Pradesh to rescue that elephant and move it to the hospital. But uh, the police were also there on the site and we were about to depart. But the hostile mob over there, which was primarily a couple of gangs representing the owner of the elephant who had no documentation at all to prove that he, that elephant was even safe and legally owned, were trying to block us from getting the elephant out of there. And they had outnumbered the police. It was quite a difficult situation. So we had to call for more police reinforcements. And then we had four police jeeps escort the ambulance out of that location until we were safely out of the district. So, um, you know, the law enforcement authorities, in fact, play quite a crucial role in crowd control, uh, dispersing mobs, managing the legal situation over there, and maintaining law and order, without which, you know, it would be impossible for us to successfully conduct these rescues. So you need, uh, the wildlife resource crew needs to have protection to be able to rescue the elephant. And India is a very, very large country and every state operates independently with their own authorities and jurisdictions. And each state has its, has its own state forest department with whom we work, depending on where the location of the elephant is. Right. Amazing. That's absolutely amazing. 
uh, can you briefly walk us through the process of planning a rescue operation? Uh, what are the things that you have to take care of? Of course, uh, the process of um, planning a rescue operation can be very, very elaborate. And uh, we start by making sure that, you know, we really know what the situation on the ground is. And sometimes it's not very easy. We've got to verify the information, uh, double check it, send uh, informers or decoys to go and confirm what the location is. If the location allows us to turn the ambulance around or load the elephant in the ambulance, etc., and then we, of course, reach the point where we have to consider the distance that needs to be traveled and how the roads are and can, are there any bridges that are low that the ambulance cannot go through or uh, the time that it will take for us to actually move the elephant because we've got to estimate if the elephant's physical condition can endure that distance. And so we've got to do a lot of map work, making sure that we know what Roots are, so Google Maps is a big friend of ours for this purpose. And we've also got to make sure that our vets do a quick assessment of the elephant. And so do our elephant care staff and help us decide whether or not that particular elephant can withstand the journey. And most of these journeys are many days and many, many hours each day. So we've got to really get into a lot of preparatory work before we can launch a rescue. And the preparations for a rescue start as soon as we know that the elephant is in distress and we've got information and then we move forward. Of course, you know, this happens by our team immediately connecting with the forest department. Mm -hmm. The chief fire lab warden has to be informed. The forest officers mm -hmm. arrange for the necessary permissions and the paperwork that are issued based on which these rescues happen. And the aim of Wildlife SOS is to prioritize the elephant's safety and ensure that they do not have further problems. So we've got to make sure that the journey and the whole experience of the journey does not become a negative experience for the elephant. So we've got to not just stabilize the elephant's condition, provide necessary medical attention, but prepare the elephant for the journey. And in some cases, I recall that We've had to spend up to two weeks staying with the elephant just to let the elephant stabilize so she can uh, make that journey. You know, sometimes the journey can be very, very um, painful if the elephant is in bad condition. And so we've got to really plan well and, and really well for this. Wow, thank you. Uh, clearly, there are several hurdles that you have to cross uh, to plan a rescue. Uh, can you tell me about what has been one of the most challenging rescues for you? Anyone in, that you remember in particular? I would say every rescue has its own challenges. And I can remember quite a few, you know, like uh, when we had to rescue Raju, there was a huge mob that we had to deal with. Uh, and it was quite dangerous. And in fact, um, we needed a huge platoon of police and forest staff to make sure that happened. Again, with Mohan's rescue as well. You know, they, we were almost at the point where uh, a mob burnt our ambulance and they threatened to shoot our staff. So the police had to escort us out of their safety. And with Sanjay again, that was another situation where I had to negotiate with, um, you know, a, a temple um, team 
where the temple authorities wanted to hand over the elephant to us. And they were, they were really concerned for the elephant's safety. And they were very happy that we had come all this way to take that elephant. But there was a local group. And it was, it was a local group who did not want the elephant to be moved um, for, for their own reasons. And so there was a face-off between these two groups and we got trapped in between. And then, of course, a more recent rescue that I'd recall is Kalpana, where she was, you know, chained to the middle of a tree right next to a well. So that was another challenge. So every single rescue that I have been on and our team goes on has its own challenges. And each one has a lot of problems that we have to kind of wade through and overcome. But I think when you decide that you've got to somehow help this animal in distress, then you can find a way of getting over that hurdle. And that's what we've always been doing. You know, it could be the rapidly deteriorating condition of an elephant or an aggressive crowd or the complete lack of infrastructure there. So you're not able to get the elephant on the ambulance. And there are challenges each and every time. And sometimes it's just about time. It's about support. But we've just got to, you know, go ahead. I remember when I was with Kalpana and we were trying to keep her clear of that well because there was a deep, dry well and she could have fallen in. She was inches away from it. And she could have fallen in and probably died, broken her back, broken her feet. And I, that was so, so dangerous. I remember it clearly in my head like yesterday. And uh, she, was, she had infected wounds all over her body. She was in a, in a huge open piece of land. There was not a spot of light there. It was really hard. Um, I, I, and another, another case I remember was Sanjay. You know, the forest department asked us to come in and, and rescue Sanjay. But if he hadn't gone at the time and, and, and you know, moved uh, heaven and earth to get that elephant out of there, we could have lost him to the world of illegal trafficking. Uh, and, you know, thankfully, the forest department really made it possible for us to rescue that elephant by getting all the prosecution work done uh, in a timely manner. Great. Um, let's talk about the legal aspect of a rescue now. Uh, can you give me an example of a legal problem that you have encountered for being able to rescue an elephant? Yes, we have a lot of legal problems. In fact, Wildlife SOS has so many issues in the legal area with elephants uh, that we are trying to work with the forest department to protect elephants that we have our own legal team and the team is called the elephant legal defense fund eldf and uh, you know we have to fight legal battles almost every step of the way and uh, the consistent problem that we constantly have to face is that a person who has lost his elephant because he's been cruel and there's been severe neglect, there's illegality and the, conf and the forest department has confiscated that elephant and handed it over to the elephant hospital for care and treatment. And that man goes and challenges the court to gain custody of his elephant back. And we face this even with Raju's case when his owner moved the court but did not have any documentation to prove his ownership or his legal rights to claim that elephant back. And this is where our uh, prosecution assistance uh, comes handy. And uh, our team is able to work with 
councils, the local councils, the public prosecutors, and the forest department to try and make a strong case to ensure the protection of the elephant in the right condition. Right. Um, with the pandemic and the new normal that we will all have to get used to, how will the things change for the elephant rescues at Wildlife SOS? Well, Wildlife SOS is certainly going to continue to work tirelessly to save elephants in distress. We do not believe that impossible exists. So we will continue doing what we've been doing over the last three decades. But even through the pandemic, we have found ways to rescue elephants. You know, uh, Arya and Zara have both come to the elephant hospital in the middle of the pandemic during the lockdown. Yes, protocols have changed with elephant rescues. We've got to restrict the number of staff. So it's very difficult for us to send a documentation officer. We sanitize the ambulance uh, extensively. Everybody's wearing face masks, gloves, face shields while traveling. And, uh, you know, our response um, units are also trying to um, make sure that when they're in the field helping wildlife in distress, they have to follow these protocols as well. So, yes, we've learned to roll with the punches and adapt to the new normal. But, but our teams continue to work around the clock to help every animal uh, that we try to do. We maintain social distancing uh, and keep ourselves safe. But elephant rescues will continue. I do not see them uh, petering down or out. And um, we just need all the support that people can give us. And we will continue to, you know, make these rescues a reality. Great. Uh, that was very encouraging. Thank you. And this marks the end of our session. So thank you so much, Karthik, sir, for your time. This was such a great and insightful interview. You're welcome, Sharina. See you soon. Take care, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye.